0: to the t- two weeks uh, spoke about the very beginning of Paul's ministry. And uh, as this is my final chance to speak for a while, we're going to talk about the ending of Paul's ministry a little bit. At the end of his life, having been imprisoned and shipwrecked and tortured and beaten, and having done all of that with a loving heart for his God, he wants to pass on to the next generation, all that information, all that love. When you're trying to figure out what to preach on on a given Sunday, sometimes you start with a spiritual truth. Okay, I know God's love, and so let's talk about God's love. Let's find all the verses, talk about God's love. Or maybe you're given a passage. You're like, okay, let's take this passage apart piece by piece, and we'll we'll see what it says to us. Well, I didn't have that this week, so I was really kind of asking God, where do I start? And the concept I had to start with was spiritual, emotional, and mental health. It's like, okay, where do I go from there? And it brought a verse to mind, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, and it speaks about a sound mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's okay, so I have my concept. Now I have my verse. Let's see where I can go from there. And so I read more about the context of Second Timothy one, and so I found a bit of symmetry. In verse two, he lists out three elements: God's grace, God's mercy. And God's peace. And in verse 7 he talks about fanning the, fanning the flame in our spiritual lives. It's not in 7 actually. It's somewhere else in there. Um, and that it is developed in power and love and of a sound mind. And I found that the, the grace and mercy and peace and the power and love and sound mind correlated to me. And so I want to see is that real. And so we'll start in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 1. This is a letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. Now the life he promised, there are two versions of that life. There's the life here that he promised is going to have trouble. And there's the life in heaven that would be with him. And those are the things that Paul talked about. Because I am writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father and Christ our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers as long, as I, as long and I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy. When we are together again. Now Paul is approaching the end of his life. He sees that coming. So when they come together again, maybe, if Timothy is able to visit him in Rome, or it may be in heaven. But he looks forward to that with joy. Because I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline, or as other translations say, a sound mind. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, And we ask for clarity of your word for your grace and your mercy and your peace to be upon us right now. Lord I know that I am not worthy to deliver this message Lord and so I need to get out of the way and hopefully the words I say are what you want to be heard. And I pray now that the power of your word is what comes through today. Amen. So I, I, I felt encouraged. I had, I had something to talk about. So I had to develop that a little bit. And so I wanted to see, okay, if I'm going to think that grace and power and mercy and love and peace and a sound mind are paired, does the word back that up? And I was pleasantly, not surprised, but uh, and encouraged to find that it does. But we realize that we're actually reading a personal letter. This says something between two individuals. How does it apply to us? When Paul is speaking to Timothy, he's speaking to all of us. When Paul talks about his own family, that for generations... They, they worshiped and they were holy. and in, in Timothy's family, they have been following Christ for generations. He's connecting all of us. How many generations are in this church? I know several families here that there are at least three generations in this church. And that connects us. And we all have a spiritual gift And Paul is encouraging Timothy and, by extension, us to use that gift and to develop that gift and to develop it in three very particular ways, in power and love and in self-discipline. So if you go back to verses 6 and 7, this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. So if we can kind of clear out some of the extra phrasing in there. I'm encouraging you to fan into flame the spiritual gift you have. And to do so inside God's grace and mercy and peace. And to do it with power and love and a sound mind. We find, I find, I see in this text that there's a direct connection between these things. So I wanted to just kind of reframe the line And so my points are going to be to fan into flame your spiritual gift, number one, because God, by his grace, gave you a spirit of power. If anyone in here loves diving around YouTube, like my kids do, there are videos that show what you can do if you add fans to flame. So hopefully... Josh can cue up that video here. So this is a dozen fans making a fire tornado, <laughs> right? That's a regular fire. Now, it's, it's, it's a kerosene-powered fire, right? But that's just what happens if you add fans. So I'm thinking that's what God wants us to do. We have a spiritual gift, and he wants you to make it a spiritual gift, fire a tornado. <laughs> and the way we do that is we start with that spirit of power. And we're going to connect that to God's grace. So what is God's grace? And this goes to the, the Greek term charis, which is a gift of God that is undeserved divine influence on the heart we find that grace is full of action god's grace is active and powerful it is reaching for us in love god's grace is christ crucified as paul is writing to timothy here he is encouraging him to be bold to accept the power that God wants to funnel through him. In the two letters that Paul writes to Timothy, he encourages him 25 times to be strong or bold. I think that it's, it's very clear that he trusts the faith that Timothy has. But what, he, what Timothy is not probably naturally drawn to is con- confrontation, correction, And so Paul is saying, look, I know the spiritual gift you have, and you need to keep developing it, and it needs to be developed in a spirit of power. There's another young pastor that Paul writes to. His name is Titus. And in Titus 2, he describes God's grace. And he does so with action words. So as we go through these few verses... See how many action words you can capture. So, 2 this is 11 to 14 in Titus 2. He says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to, to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good works. He is trying to motivate, trying to tell you, look, all of the, look at all this action that's going on, and that is what has saved you. Anyone want, anyone want to venture a guess? How many words I found in there? Throw a number out. Anybody? Somebody say ten. Ten. 10 there it is. Yeah, great. Um, and so I, that was very encouraging to me. That God's grace is so active. And so I once again I kind of reframed it here. So there's there's God's part, there's Christ's part, and there's our part. So God's part there was to reveal his grace and to bring salvation. Okay, so that's the, the, the very beginning for, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Then there's Christ's part. Now, obviously, Christ's part was the sacrifice. He gave his life, but why did he give his life? To free us from sin, to cleanse us from impurity, and to make us his very own people. And then what was expected of us? Because we are instructed to turn from sin, to live wisely, to look forward in hope, and to be enthusiastic in doing good deeds. And if you bring in 2 Timothy, we are encouraged to develop our spiritual gift. So, we're talking about spiritual gifts. A few months ago, we did a uh, spiritual gift assessment. Hopefully you guys all had a chance. If you'd like to figure out what your spiritual gift is and you like one of these assessments, we have them. Uh, This assessment listed out 18 different spiritual gifts. Uh, Everything from administration, encouragement, faith, giving, hospitality, mercy, evangelism, teaching, discernment, word of wisdom. So there's a, a vast array. I was a little confused. My spiritual gift is actually physical labor. I thought that was interesting. They call it craftsmanship. And it actually helped me connect. I was like, a lot of times I don't know what to do, and so I go do something. I go build something. I clean something, or whatever it is. And I didn't necessarily connect that with a spiritual gift. But it can be. And when you figure out what your gift is, it doesn't limit what your ministry is. It enables it. This is obviously not me building something right now, right? But I am enabled to know what my gift is. And when you know what your gift is and you're encouraged to develop it, you develop it in these three ways. And if you have the gift of hospitality, how can you develop that in power? It is getting active in people's lives. How can you develop that in love? It is inviting people into your home or going into their home. And how do you develop it to be self-disciplined and with a sound mind? All right, there's a balance to all of these gifts. God wants you to give and he wants you to give until it hurts, but he knows what you need, and He'll provide for your needs too. And so, beyond developing it in a, in a spirit of power, it says we are to fan into flames our spiritual gift because God, in His mercy, gave you a spirit of love. God's mercy re- removes all the barriers between us and eternity. God's mercy. Is an open door. Mercy is the word elios, is the loving removal of our wrongs to make us clean. It is clemency of God in providing an offering to men salvation by Christ. Mercy brings life to the lifeless. And so the, I found verses. I want to say, all right. So does God connect mercy and love? And in Ephesians 2, 4, it starts, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Converting mercy into love is a very natural effect. If you feel for someone, you want to help them. There's a great verse in Isaiah and I found out, I found the verse in Isaiah before I knew that there's another connection to it. It's actually the verse that Christ himself read. It says he went into the synagogue one day and was asked to do the reading and so he took the scroll, he came to this section in Isaiah, he read this verse and then he sat down and began to teach about it. And the verse is Isaiah 61.1, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. And to that crowd that didn't really necessarily know all about Christ, he told them, I am that person. And the fact is that you are that person now. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. For the Lord has anointed you to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent you to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. God's mercy and his love is delivered by us. In Matthew 4, he's speaking, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Practice mercy on the people who don't like you. Love them. Pray for them. So in developing our spiritual gift in love, we are told to forgive others, to love our enemies, to pray for those that hurt us, to care for the sick and the dying and the abandoned and the brokenhearted. This is what mercy is. This is what love is. So as we develop our spiritual gifts, whatever they may be, do it in love. If you have the gift to see the error of someone's ways and help them pinpoint where their trouble is, you can do that boldly. And you can do that forcefully, but you can also do it lovingly. We're told that those who bring people back to the church are doing a good thing. So if we know someone who's fallen away and we speak into their lives, we need to do so in love. In fact, we are told to lead with love. It's a, a thing, it's a phrase, right? Lead with love. And so finally, we are to fan the flame of our spiritual gift because God's peace protects and desires a sound mind. Peace or shalom, a phrase, a word we're all pretty familiar with, I'm sure, is having a right relationship with God and others and self. God's peace is beyond our understanding. It is reconciliation in a relationship as when one has peace with God. And so once again, I wanted to find, does Scripture link God's peace with a sound mind? And it does. In John 14, 27, talking about the spirit that would inhabit them, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. These verses in John have a lot of similarity with the verse in in Timothy, that he's not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And that is the working of the spirit in our lives, bringing those spiritual gifts to bear. And those spiritual gifts aren't just for the immediate people of our lives. They are are a blessing to us. They're a blessing to our home, blessing to our church, blessing to our larger community. And that's what we're told to do. That's the power, right? God, Christ could have told his disciples, I need you guys to really evangelize Jerusalem. Do that. Maybe bigger. Maybe go for the entire country. Go for all of Judea. But he didn't stop there. He says, "You go to the people who who we don't necessarily believe. In. Go to Samaritans, right?" He says, "Then I want you to go to the ends of the world. There isn't a limit." And when we think about kids, right? There's no limit to what a kid can do. If a kid is is taken by the Holy Spirit and empowered and can spend a lifetime reaching others. There's no limit to the impact. And it doesn't matter if you're seven or if you're 77. You can make an impact. God wants you to make an impact. He wants you to fan into flame that spiritual gift that you have that is unique to you and to use it to help Yourself, your family, your church, and your community. In about 10 days or so, 80% of my family is heading to Brazil. And this church and the people of the church have been incredibly supportive of that. And so that is you investing in someone else's spiritual gift. And that encouragement to others is important. And when we find someone who is a Timothy, who has a spiritual gift, who has great faith and needs the encouragement, our job is to do that. We're to be that Paul in their life, telling them, no, you can do this. Let me help you. I know you can do this. I've seen you do it before, and I know you'll be great at it. And even if they fail a few times, it sometimes it takes a little while to get it right. But as my father-in-law has said, and I've stolen for many years now, anything worth doing is worth doing even poorly because you've got to get it done, right? And people will come alongside when you're doing something poorly and go, wait, 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 I can do that too, let me help. But it, sometimes it takes someone to get out in front and to actually do something or the people to come behind and use their gifts to the benefit of everyone. In Philippians four it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. There are times that I thank God for the solution before I found it. Because once you bring it to God, you need to leave it there and let God direct. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's a great promise. So the question is can we? Can we stop worrying? I heard a line this morning on the way in. Some people's list of worries is longer than their prayer list. And that's going to be a problem. There's a, there's a misbalance there. What we're concerned about it needs to be what we pray about. And then we need to stop and leave it there and let God direct the solution. Because when we do, a peace that is beyond our understanding comes to us. In Romans 12, there's a fairly famous passage, 12, 1 and 2. And the second part of verse 12 is keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good. It is satisfying and able to succeed. It is that regular renewing of our mind, that regular staying in Scripture, that regular prayer, and not just a prayer that talks, a prayer that listens, is how you get to God's peace. Because you can complain to someone all day. You can complain to the person who can solve your problem if you don't listen for their response You've just wasted your breath. And so don't do that to God. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything and leave it there with him. I believe that accepting God's peace is actually the first step. Talking with God about what your needs are and listening for his direction is a crucial element of the renewal of the Christian mind. And the empowering of your spiritual gift. Protecting our minds is what makes everything else possible. We need to accept God's gift of peace through His Spirit. We need to renew our minds in His Spirit. We need to understand what God's will is and see that as God's perfect plan. We are told to live wisely and righteously in this world. In Proverbs 4, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. When we accept the provision of God's peace, we can continue to develop our spiritual gift. The spiritual mind will hear from God. It will discern when to lead in love and it will know how to fortify your life with grace and power. He goes on in the next few verses, and he's warning Timothy some of the things he's gonna come up against. Timothy's gonna walk into the synagogue, and he's gonna try to connect Isaiah 61 to the Savior that he serves, and people are gonna mock him. For serving a dead savior. And they're going to say wait. That guy Paul taught you. Man he was the worst. And he's locked up in Rome. And he's going to be killed by Caesar. How, can, how is that the teacher you want to take on? And in verse 8 it says so never be ashamed to tell others of our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer for him for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one I trust in. And I am sure that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. So the question is, what are you entrusting to God? What percentage of your life are you entrusting to God? The more you give, the more you give. The gifts of God are limitless. You're never going to find the end. The more love you give out, the more mercy you receive. The more of your spiritual gift you use in power, the more grace will come from God. And the more that you help others around you to develop that sound mind, the more peace will spread among you and those people. And that's our hope. Josh, I think you have the slide that has all three points. If you wouldn't mind throwing that back up there for me. Envision that fan-powered fire tornado. That's what God's asking you to do. You have a spiritual gift And you have faith. And left to itself, it's this nice little fire contained in that fire ring. And maybe every now and then it's going to touch someone else's life. Someone's going to come roast a marshmallow over that little flame. That's great. Do that. But God's encouraging us to do more. Get those dozen fans positioned at just the right angle. Create that fire tornado of spiritual gifts in your lives. Make an impact. These next four days with these kids, what a chance to make an impact. Teen leaders, what a chance Not only to make it, but but to be impacted. Nothing is as pure as the faith of a child. And next week when we go to the lake and we're baptizing some kids and maybe some adults, it is a beautiful picture of their faith. And that's what our goal is. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I appreciate you guys listening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can have faith in you, that you have revealed and made a way of salvation for us. Christ, that you came and you sacrificed yourself to set us apart as your own children. Lord, we pray that you would continue to empower us to live wisely and righteously in this world. Help us to use the gifts you have given us to reach others and to be of service in our community. I pray that as we are entering a new season in this body, Lord, that everyone here will seek a way to serve, to use that gift, to expand it, to develop it, and to do it according to your word and with your peace. Lord, we are gracious, so grateful, Lord, for your graciousness, for all that you do for us. For your mercy that wouldn't leave us lifeless on the junk heap of our lives, but, Lord, that came down and stirred life inside us. And we are thankful for your peace that is instilled within us. Lord, as we go out this week, as we serve this week, Lord, let it be your power that moves through us. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we bless you now. In your name we pray, amen.